0: A very special double edition of the One More Verse podcast. This is John Nix, and I'm excited to have you along on this Friday, November the 27th, 2015. Today's reading was 1 Samuel chapter 9, verse 15 through chapter 10, verse 27. So come on and let's discuss what we read together. Three, two, one. What would Israel's first king be like? Saul was from a prominent family and he was handsome and tall. The thing that Samuel knew was that the elders wanted a king because they wanted to be like every other nation. And so Saul was to be the king that they so desperately wanted. Now, God warned Samuel about 24 hours ahead of time. I'm going to introduce you to my first king. And so in preparation for that, you can imagine all the thoughts that must have gone through Samuel's mind. What would he be like? Where would he be from? What would the first conversation sound like? One in the next day, finally, as God had told him, Saul arrives. Now, you have to understand, Saul was on a mission. He had lost some of his livestock. He was actually looking for donkeys. And when they had come up with nothing and they hadn't had any luck and he was about ready to give up, his servant suggested that they go and see the seer who was Samuel. And so they went seeking to find the seer and perhaps hoping that God would divinely uh, help them uh, find these donkeys that they were searching for. And so we learn a couple of things about the interchange, the very first interchange between Saul and Samuel. The truth is, Saul was not acquainted with Samuel. Samuel is the most famous figure. In the land, as far as a judge, as far as a prophet, as far as one who talks with the Lord. And so perhaps we might be able to infer from this that Saul was not particularly religious or he had not been to any of the festivals or he had not been to a judging that Samuel had overseen. For whatever reason, he goes to Samuel and he comes to him and he asks if he can just point him in the direction of the seer. Samuel introduces himself and begins to speak to Saul and let him know, hey, you indeed are going to be an anointed prince. Now, Saul is soaking all these words in and Samuel tells him, listen, I want you to stay. I want you to be with me for a little while. I'm actually inviting you to a dinner and we're going to discuss some things at that dinner and how awkward must it have been for Saul to go to a dinner that had been prepared for him that he didn't know had been prepared for him and to be the guest of honor. He finds himself in the midst of all these people who probably were of some sort of value or weight in the society. And as he goes up to the high place to be Samuel's personal guest, these 30 people fix all of their eyeballs on him. Not only did he have a banquet thrown in his honor, not only was he given this uh, portion that was uh, different from the other portions that were handed out and had been reserved for him only, but Samuel also invites him to be his guest and stay overnight. And he tells Saul, I'm going to try to clarify some things for you in the morning and explain all that is going on. Now, Saul is trying to um, help Samuel understand that he is from the tribe of Benjamin. This is the smallest tribe. And even within his clan, um, he didn't have very much standing. His clan didn't have very much standing. And he's kind of protesting and trying to help Samuel understand, I'm not sure that I am your guy. In spite of all this, uh, they continue on with this. And the next morning, as they're heading out to the city, Samuel tells Saul to send his servant on because he wants to have a word with him privately and explain a few things. And this is where the story really begins to pick up steam, because in this moment, Samuel doesn't just talk with him, but he anoints Saul with oil. And he kisses him. You see, this is a formal thing. This is a thing that the man of God is saying, you are God's chosen person to lead his treasured people. And although they may be rebellious and although they may not be listening, this is a big deal. And so he anoints Saul's head. He kisses him on the cheek and he explains all of this to him. He tells Saul that on the way home, he wants his faith to be encouraged, and he gives three specific signs that God had instructed him to tell Saul that they would take place. Now, you must understand that when it comes to signs and wonders, sometimes we get our emphasis a little bit overweighted as far as what is done. These signs were not some sort of generic thing like that. You could apply from a fortune cookie to anybody who reads it. No, these were specific signs so that Saul would understand that Samuel had divine authority to confer this sort of leadership on him. This was to encourage his faith. And this was because the Lord was going to do a work in Saul. So these three particular signs that were given were given so that Saul might be encouraged. So that Saul might understand that this is indeed from the Lord, that this would give him some confidence and to help his faith to grow. And the Bible tells us that as Saul leaves Samuel in this encounter, that the Lord does a work in his heart and he is absolutely transformed. When he walks away, he is completely different. Not only that, the truth of the matter is this difference was so demonstrable that as he goes about, all of these signs come to be one of the signs was that he would prophesy with some of the prophets. And so he he goes and this time when he goes, God had given him another heart. He reaches home, and his uncle is very curious as to what he's been doing. He's been searching for these livestock, but the livestock have been found. It's been a while. Perhaps there's rumors about him being with Samuel. Perhaps there is a buzz about the whole anointing thing. We don't know exactly what's going on, and he doesn't give his uncle too many details. All we know is that Saul is recognizing God is setting him apart for a new work. God is setting him apart to be his very first king. And this simple farmer who stands head and shoulders above everyone else, handsome, rugged, although he may be a little disorganized, although we're going to see some of his personality things that are going to be weaknesses for him, this is who God has said, this is to be my first king. So Samuel, the old prophet calls all of the people together. And he opens their assembly, giving them a brief speech because it's important for him to remind them all that God has done for them. He recounts for them what must feel like a long, long time ago because by this point, this seems like only the stories and the things of legend because the Egyptian bondage that God's people had experienced seems a long, long way in the rearview mirror. He explains to them about how he has taken care of them. And he also clarifies for them that they have uh, demanded that they have a king and that they had rejected God. He reminds them that it was God who had delivered them from all their past adversity and suffering. And so Samuel tells the people to come and to present themselves in an orderly fashion in keeping with the way that God had organized his people in the way that they would meet together. And so these representatives from the tribes, they come near to Samuel. There is this time where they cast lots to let God uh, demonstrate not just so that this is Samuel's opinion, not that this is Samuel's idea, but God, through the casting of lots, shows, I have chosen someone. And so he begins to move through, and it goes to the the least of the clans, to the tribe of Benjamin, to the Matrite clan, and all the way down to Kish, to his son, Saul. Now, it gets a little bit funny here because when they, they, they see that Saul has been selected by Lot and God has chosen him, they go to look for him and they can't find him. And they literally have searched and they can't find him. And so they have to inquire of the Lord. And the Lord says, Saul's just hiding in the baggage. Can you imagine your very first king? He's hiding on the day of his coronation, on the day when God has shown to all of the people of the land that he has chosen him and that he will be the first king. And here's the guy and he's hiding. So the people run and they go and they hasten to bring Saul and they pull him out of his hiding place and he comes before the people and it must have been impressive to see him head and shoulders above all of his countrymen. Physically, there was no doubt that Saul was qualified strong, having grown up doing hard labor. And so Samuel and the people obviously could see some of those qualifications just in the way that he looked. But these must have been some unusual proceedings when God's first king was hiding. And so Samuel goes back through and he explains to them all of these sorts of things. And the people began with this kind of traditional thing where they say, long live the king. So Samuel sets forth for them this constitutional, historical, and spiritual basis for a monarchy in Israel. Remember, God's design was that they would be a theocracy, but the people had demanded a king. And so he uh, begins to go through this with the people, and he records the material and the things that he's telling them about all this in the scroll. Chances are that this is a reference to the scroll of scripture that Samuel is actually expanding. This is God's word come to life through the pen and the hand of a man as his divine authority is uh, confirmed, as this revelation is confirmed, and scripture is happening before the people. They have their king. They have this man head and shoulders above everybody else. And so God has clothed him in his spirit. God has given him a different heart. It is something that everyone else can see. And God gives him favor with some valiant men. And they began to go with him. And we have this little aside at the very end where we see him show some, some great personal restraint and some uh, political maturity. There are these uh, worthless men who come and they, um, they mock him. And they're not really excited about his coronation or his appointment, uh, being that he's just this, this farmer from Gibeah. But even though they despised him, Saul didn't throw a fit. He didn't pick a fight. Uh, they, Saul just wisely refused to take any action against his critics. He, he perhaps saw that he was going to have to prove himself moving forward. For whatever reason, we have, although it was very, um, not very exciting to see a king hiding in the baggage and drug out, we do see uh, a bit of, of wisdom in his leadership, even in these first actions. And so in this, let us not lose what is going on. This is a rebellious people, but they have a longing in their heart. And it's the same longing that we all have. We all long for a righteous king, for a pure judge. All of these things point us To the fact that the good news of the gospel is that we need a king who will rule in righteousness. We need a prince of peace. We need someone and we long for someone to be that. And the people thought that it would be a man from among them that would make everything easy and happy and good. But the truth is only God satisfies. And so in this unusual ceremony, it's actually a day of sadness. For the people again have thrown off restraints. The people again are rebelling against God. The people again have refused his authority, and now they are seeking the authority of another. But let us see in this that there is going to uh, be, this will point to a king that will be like his people. This king would not be ordinary uh, in in the sense that this king would come from among his people and he would be like them but he would be different in that he would never sin this righteous king who would usher in the kingdom of god jesus would one day come and he would rule the world in righteousness and so although the people had a longing that was absolutely fitting and proper the way that they tried to satisfy that longing would never work a common farmer from gibeah who had some questionable choices at the beginning of his reign, would never be able to subdue God's people and love them like he would. Thanks for listening to the One More Verse podcast. For more information about vertical purpose or one more verse, visit johnnicks.org. I would love to hear from you, so find me on Twitter, facebook or instagram using the handle the john Nix, and don't forget to download the vertical purpose app for additional resources thanks again and join me next week for the one more verse podcast